Welcome to the circular future. Do you want to change the world? In the 21st century, the answer may not be to run for political office or write a powerful book. The answer may be create a startup. In the age of the internet, startups have not only shaken up industries, they have redefined how we live and interact with the world, and very quickly. So when we're thinking about a circular future and how we move towards it, are startups the answer? What kinds of problems are startups working on and where is this space going? I'm your host, Stephanie McClarty, Head of Sustainability at Quantum Lifecycle Partners. In this episode, we're diving into the world of sustainability-focused startups. We're looking at how they're taking on the challenge of creating a circular economy by pioneering new products and services and resources that are aimed at making a positive impact on the environment. There are some innovative ideas out there, from producing biodegradable plastic made from algae, to grocery packaging reuse systems, to marketplaces that match waste with new opportunities for use. And all this is to combat the effects of years of overuse of our planet and to help build resilient communities and create a circular system for the future. I'm really excited about our guest today. I'm joined by Aaron Andrews, founder of Impact Zero, a nonprofit based in Toronto working to empower people to bring climate action ideas to life. Aaron was recognized on the list of top 30 under 30 sustainability leaders by Corporate Nights this year for her work at Impact Zero. She's a speaker on local, national, and international sustainability stages like the World Circular Economy Forum, Globe Exchange, and university campuses across Toronto. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, Erin, so welcome. Thanks for having me, Steph. It's great to be here. And I want to ask you, first of all, because we're talking today about startups, why did you start Impact Zero? So I started Impact Zero way back in 2020 <laughs> uh, because I actually started my own circular business in 2018 and realized that there were not a ton of communities or opportunities for sp- support that specifically helped uh, green businesses and circular businesses, um, because we operate really differently. So originally it was a community space, but it's evolved over time to be more of an accelerator because people really want to get involved. So we help them in that process now too. That is so amazing. And I totally get it because I started a company years ago, which is why I'm part of quantum. So I want to talk about innovation, because I know that innovation is one of your key pillars or your key steps. And why do you think innovation is important with when we think about the circular economy and where we're moving with the circular economy? Yeah, it's like really, really huge because um, the the one thing that we focus a lot on is not just like, because I think when people talk about innovation, they really like to talk about the successful innovation. Um, but what we like to focus on as well is like the failures, because <laughs> uh, you need to fund all those failures to create the opportunity for increased innovation. Um 
So as a nonprofit, it's really, really key in the circular economy because we're thinking about this very differently from a traditional linear economy, right? Like the way that things are operating currently need to be completely shaken up and changed. Um, and so you re- need some really bold solutions um, that think very much outside of the box. So um, as a nonprofit, we help people become aware of that and kind of plant these seeds of innovation um, and get people inspired to even take their own innovation seriously. So then we can build these solutions uh, for the greater good. So it's very important just because we need to think about things very differently in a drastic way. Um, But seed planting is important too. It doesn't mean you always need to have like a million dollar backed company to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that analogy of seeds and then essentially watering the seeds so that then they can they can grow and really make an impact. So are startups are startups the answer, do you think? Like how important are they in when we think about dealing with the future and and creating that circular economy, not a linear economy? Yeah, I think um this is actually something that came up in a talk I was doing recently about the importance of like these, they're kind of like micro startups that we work with at Impact Zero. Like they seem today, like they are very, very small because they are, you know, it's a founder. Maybe they have a couple of folks helping them out. Um, but it's usually like a very grassroots initiative. Um, but the importance of, um, having these guys kind of operating and, testing things out and tinkering a little bit is because eventually something will hit and something will work really, really well. And then uh, those startups become the vendors that larger organizations can essentially outsource as they're creating and changing their business models. Um, Something that we kind of operate from, we operate from a place of um, knowing that companies that exist today in a linear economy, their business models are what they are. And they're not necessarily going to take the huge risk to do the innovation themselves and build net new business arms from scratch. They're likely going to outsource um, slowly and you know grow and change through acquisition. Um, that's my hypothesis. So by planting these seeds and getting companies started, like what you did, um, it helps companies then slowly make those shifts through partnerships, vendors, acquisition, whatever their, their, um, strategy is to slowly shift how they operate and eventually change their business model over time. So I think startups are critical because that's like planting those seeds to create a tree that will eventually be big enough for larger corporations to outsource to or partner with. And that makes total sense when you think about how difficult it can be for these large companies to change and shift so significantly when it's so much easier for a new company with a set of ideas to create something new and then eventually work with those larger companies or be absorbed. So that makes total sense. Can you give us an idea of your accelerator program and when these companies come to you, what does that look like and what's the process that you take them through? Yeah. So keeping in mind that we work with them at the very baby stage, um, our accelerator is, it's kind of like a pre-accelerator, honestly, the way that most people think of accelerators is like you do all the fundraising and get, you know, scaled up really quickly. Um, but for the people that we work with, um, in the very nascent stages of starting a company, um, it starts a lot with, um, 
you know, they have an idea, they know that something needs to change in, say, the textile space. They maybe have been doing like a year of research on what the possible solutions could be. Um, and they have kind of a vague sense of what a business could look like, but maybe they don't have certain business skills or connections or mentors already existing in their network to help them flush that idea out. Um, so what we do is we help them, you know, validate a business case, see what is already happening in the market, find them partners in Toronto or GTA or more broadly, if it's relevant to help them evolve their idea. And at the end of the three months that we work with folks, we actually get a pilot started. So a lot of like incubators are very much in that like business plan, keep it kind of theoretical. But the reason I want to call it an accelerator um, is because by the end of the program, you go from idea to literal implementation. Um, and once you have that momentum, it just keeps on growing, right? Like once you do a, a pickup pilot or do a collection pilot or, you know, do a certain run of whatever product you're trying to do. Um, and so by providing folks with like project management mentors and a little bit of money, um, they can take that very far, especially nascent folks. Like if, if they're doing their R and D and just kind of testing out their business model, they don't need a ton of money. They don't need a hundred thousand dollars. They maybe just need like 20 grand, you know, to get some stuff off the ground. Um, so it's very high return to generate a lot of innovation, very inexpensively, which is kind of cool. That is that's amazing, really. And you work exclusively with circular economy startups, um, sort of that net zero type startup. Is that correct? Yeah. So mostly circular economy. It has kind of just evolved that it's also a lot of like logistics, like reverse logistics folks, like whether they're in like packaging or like SaaS platforms to help um, companies get things back. Like it kind of like, there's been some nonprofit people as well, but a lot of it is like taking a material and finding a solution for a material, which involves some level of collection and processing. So that's kind of the area that we play in. Oh, that's so cool. And I wanted to ask you, what are the specific areas that these companies are working on? So it sounds like it's taking materials and finding new homes for it. Like what types of materials are you referring to? Yeah. So uh, one of the first couple startups that we worked with, actually the first two, I did a little like baby cohort just to see if it's even something that we could do as a nonprofit uh, back in 2021. And the first two companies we worked with were both packaging companies. Uh, one of them works with black plastic takeout containers. So that's Case. Um, she has since surpassed 400,000 black plastic containers collected, which is not a baby number, even though we worked with her when she was just getting started. Um, and then Circular was the second one, and they were specifically focused on the washing of glass jars and mason jars and kind of getting uh, an open loop system going for that kind of packaging. And they've collected uh, a couple, I think they're at like 20 or 30,000 containers managed um, since leaving the pilot. So it's just interesting to see where they've gone, but it's a lot of stuff like that. Like people taking a material, either washing it or repairing it, like, like there've been textiles as well, like just finding like, what is the most uh, financially viable way of taking a, mace, a waste material, diverting it from landfill and like, who's going to be the buyer? Who knows? It changes all the time, but just exploring all those channels, um, whether it's packaging textiles or uh, those are like the main areas that we've worked with so far. Amazing. And yeah, it's that whole notion of 
one person's trash is another person's treasure or on a company level or what have you. Like if we can find those matches, then we can keep so much more in use. And that was what my company did, but in the telecom sector specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know if the companies that you're seeing come through the accelerator, are they young entrepreneurs mostly that are working on these types of problems or is it diverse? Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty diverse, I would say. Um, we've worked with a total of seven companies. We've run two cohorts now. Um, so the founder teams tend to, I mean, it's kind of a split. We have some youth, some new grads, some people who are more mature in their careers. Um, but either way, a lot of people are like, relatively new to climate and circular economy because it's, you know, something that's a growing space. Um, so, and a lot of them are first time founders actually as well. So even though they're not maybe like young age wise, they're maybe people who have like left other careers and want to do this like purpose thing. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's, that's like the common denominator. I would say everyone trying to do something good for the world, even if they're new at it. That is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. And it, it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how old you are, like this is possible for mm-hmm. you. So um, in thinking about what you said earlier around these companies and circular economy companies are different than the linear economy companies. And I wanted to ask you more about that because when you start up any business, you're faced with many challenges to overcome. But I'm curious about, is there an additional layer on there for these circular economy companies just by virtue of what they're doing? What do, what do you think? Is is there, mm-hmm. is there, are there specific things that they have to overcome as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's why the program is specifically around like circular businesses. And when people found out about us, they're like, oh my God, this is like what I needed. Because most accelerators, you know, the traditional way of doing a business model or evaluating the financial feasibility, um, it's very like, it's all, it's kind of, it's hard to explain because it's a bit theoretical, but like everything is like done with the linear economy in mind, right? Like if you were to calculate the, um, like unit economics of a given business model, oftentimes it's not taken into consideration that like, maybe you've created this product once you've collected it once and you're selling it multiple times or, you know, or have, um, a full life cycle of a product to take into consideration. So the literal way that you forecast the feasibility and like the financial potential of the business, you need to have that way of thinking about, um, the products because, you know, you challenge the concept of ownership. Um, you challenge the concept of, um, just the cost of, you know, goods sold is completely different um, in a circular economy if you're going to be, you know, selling something multiple times. So just having that space of like finding the people who get it would be nice because the barrier typically is that you're explaining how it, you're explaining the concept to potential partners and then you're explaining the business, which eats into like precious time, especially if you're like pitching to fundraiser or to investors, for example. Um, So there is that like education gap of people just like getting your company, especially in the early days when you're often relying on like your supporters, you're limited to how many people understand what you're even doing, let alone why your specific solutions better than others. Um, which is a big barrier for lots of different steps in that growth process of a company. 
Yeah, it's so true. I, I'm nodding my head because I remember that. And you have to really educate people on what's possible and use analogies. And yeah, it's really, it's an awareness piece first and foremost. And I think it's, it's probably even harder when it's really challenging the whole system, not just a new way of looking at the existing system. Yeah. So we were talking about some of the real success stories that are emerging in the space. One of the companies you mentioned um, before we came on was itinerant. Yes. Yeah. Iterant. Did yeah. I say that right? Yeah. Iterant. <laughs> iterant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that story and why they have really been able to, you know, make a lot of headway quickly. Yeah. Iterant is a really cool example. Uh, because so Matt, the founder, um, he, he, we found each other on the internet randomly. He's actually based in Silicon Valley. So he's not based in Canada. Um, most of our pilot people that work with us are in Toronto, but, um, he came to me with this crazy idea of saying that he's going to create a platform that incentivizes big manufacturing companies to reuse their assets. So like think of tech, right? Like if you had a computer that was sold once, there's this entire secondhand market that manufacturers don't currently tap into. Therefore, they're missing the financial return of a secondhand market. So this platform Iterant was all about how do you get everybody in the supply chain involved in a secondhand market uh, to incentivize people to build for reuse instead of build with planned obsolescence, for example, so that things will continue to buy new all the time or, or customers will buy new things instead of buying secondhand. Um, and so it's since evolved a lot uh, because now he focuses on packaging. Um, so the platform itself is basically a marketplace for assets that he's collected um, and then what he's going after is then once he has a bunch of the materials collected, then he's, you know, creating the partnerships with the original manufacturer to say, hey, you know, I've collected so many uh, items of your product. Don't you want to be involved in this and maybe get some, you know, kickback on the secondary sale? So he's piloting it with packaging, uh, specifically with PacTech. Uh, they're the uh, plastic can holders that are reusable. Um, but the potential here is that it can expand into more higher value products like tech or luxury goods, uh, because there's a little bit more value in the secondhand market that the economics I think works out a little bit better. Um, but it's very cool because in the process, he really changed how he was doing things, but the core is still, how do you get manufacturers in, in that second secondary market, um, and connect everyone involved. Um, so that's a really cool innovation, but also is very challenging because you have to explain to people how this whole system can change when he's trying to explain it to folks. It can be very, very difficult. So, but I, I love the example. That's a great pivot where, you know, it's like basketball. You keep like your core, your one foot on the ground, your core values, what like you're ultimately about. And then you change, take your other foot to just change direction. So he's, he's kept that core value there in place and then just modified direction. So that's really, yeah. that's really cool. And I look forward to seeing that journey. The other one was Carbon Hound. And I know that you do some work for Carbon Hound as well. So tell us a little bit more about their journey. 
Yeah. So Carbon Hound, um, they are a company in Toronto and they're a SaaS platform as well. Um, tech and climate tech is something that I'm like getting very interested in um, just because of the scalability and all that stuff. But uh, Carbon Hound basically um, is an example of a company that helps other companies quantify their impact. Um, so essentially think of like the easiest greenhouse gas inventory that you could ever create for your business. It's all as easy to use as like QuickBooks is for um, accounting, whether or not you love or hate QuickBooks. <laughs> um, but I the- love QuickBooks, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the whole idea, though, is to make it really, really easy for folks to get their measurement done so they can focus on reduction initiatives. Um, so I recently joined that team um, about a month ago, and um, we're basically just like trying to get as many people measured as quickly as possible, because then based on your inventory, we suggest reduction initiatives that are most impactful. Um, so that's where it's kind of like shifting the incentive of businesses, you know, putting so much effort into just like getting a report out and instead taking that time and using it to actually reduce their carbon footprint. Um, so that's another example of how tech can kind of like change the incentive and like work required to do things um, that can get people really taking action and reducing impact or in iterance case, like reusing packaging instead of just throwing it out. We're just making it real easy to participate in a cleaner economy. And we do need to make it easy in order for people to actually do it. I think that the convenience factor can be such a barrier to people participating. If they have to go out of their way to do something that's good for the environment, there'll be a lot less likelihood that they'll actually do it. Yeah. So you've referenced a couple of times about larger companies. What role do you think that the larger companies can play in this sustainability startup ecosystem and and helping this system thrive? Yeah, I mean, there are so many ways. And it's always fun being on the other side of it, because I actually started my career in banking. um, And so you know, having that like large corporate ESG experience and then going kind of to the other side of the startups is fun. But my whole thing, and I've always advocated for this, is just you don't necessarily need to always be the one like hiring them out. You don't need to pay them money. Oftentimes, the most impactful thing that you could do is just like helping them and like having a partnership and doing a pilot um, with a startup. Um, Because a lot of times like they might not be at scale to actually have a good partnership, but maybe you have a good network or maybe you have um, employees that can help mentor um, startup founders. So having like really cool innovative programs like that, you can basically build your own pipeline of startups that become larger companies when they're ready to be vendors um, or be partners. Um, And then the other way that I like to... Uh, remind people is that there are nonprofits like Impact Zero who are doing this work. Um, So by having partnerships with nonprofits, um, whether that's through sponsorship or just strategic partnership, um, you can tap into those networks um, of as many startup founders as you want um, and go through communities that already exist if you don't have the capacity to stand up your own kind of program, you know? So um, just being plugged into innovation and being interested and asking people what they need help with, they will tell you. (laughs) Startup founders, if there's one thing they will do is they will tell you exactly what they need. Um, and so it's just getting into those spaces and asking the right questions, I think, is the most impactful thing because you can figure out what you have to give, right? It's not a one-size-fit-all uh, initiative. 
Yeah, I I love that that it's essentially figuring out how you can help best and plugging in, as you say. And so for Impact Zero, so would it be larger companies that have a desire to get more into the circular economy or to improve their ESG that would be the best fit to connect into Impact Zero? Yeah, like a lot of our partners that we work best with are definitely folks who are maybe solving operational problems. Like if, if they actually do want to, you know, increase the circularity of their business and they don't know how, um, by partnering with impact zero, they can like come to our gala or they can have like, I personally intro our sponsors to startups sometimes. Um, because if it's not for, you know, uh, actual partnerships with the startup themselves, it's also like a potential pipeline for employees and hiring. Like everyone's strapped for ESG talent. Um, but I'm like, I got hundreds of people <laughs> that I know who would be great. Um, and so sometimes like that, that can be a really cool thing too, is like getting into those spaces through the nonprofits and then having other benefits as well. Um, it's kind that's, of our main thing. That's really cool. Yeah. And is there opportunities directly through your accelerator program as well to work with the, the, the companies coming through that if you're a larger company? Yeah. So we, so for, for sponsors of impact zero, um, we have, so we have gala sponsorships if people just want to come like annually and, and, you know, get in the space, you know, have a fun time, meet some founders, um, and just have an evening of it. But for ongoing support, um, there are mentorship opportunities for our accelerator cohort. If you want to be a mentor, um, and we also have, uh, an advisory board, um, which is a combination of sponsors and, and non-sponsors. Um, but that just helps even us operationally, um, make the most of what we have. Cause we know that we have a lot of value, but sometimes it helps to have those, uh, corporate voices to help nudge us in the right direction to, um, you know, know how we can best connect them with startups. So it's beneficial for everyone. So yeah, mentorship or op- like internal mentorship or gala. There are lots of ways that people can work with Impact Zero depending on what their capacity is and what their bandwidth is. Sure. And I guess that that's it. It depends on what yeah their priorities are. And as you're, as we're closing out this conversation, I wanted to ask you, because we asked this of all of our guests at the very end about a piece of advice, like, you know, we're all busy. So what's one piece of advice in your case, I want you to tell us both from the lens of one piece of advice for the sustainability startups, and also one piece of advice for the the larger companies and like, what you want them to be left with out of all this? Hmm. I would say for the sustainability startup folks, the one piece of advice would be to ask for everything that you could possibly need if people offer. <laughs> um, as well as like on the note of pivot, like don't be afraid to pivot if things aren't working out. Cause oftentimes that's where like the best innovation can happen as when you address that reality that something's not working. Um, and then on the corporate side, I would say the one thing to keep in mind is to not discount the seeds that are being planted. I think oftentimes people tend to do that. Um, but a lot can happen in a year or two years. So being plugged into that can be game changing if you get into that space early enough. That's really cool. And then having the long view. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Awesome. Erin, this has been so interesting. How can our listeners connect with you after this? 
Yeah, so uh, folks can visit our website, impactzero.ca. Everything's pretty much on there. Um, we're on all the social media platforms or handles at impactzero.ca. And I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. Folks want to connect with me personally. Awesome. And we will link all of those links in the show notes below. So thank you so much, Erin, for being here. I know I learned a lot and I'm glad you took the time to be here. Yeah. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's been great. Yeah. So thanks everyone. I hope you learned as much as I did. Join us in our next episode and head on over to quantumlifecycle.com slash podcast or follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Also now watch us on YouTube. This is a Quantum Lifecycle podcast and the producers are Sanjay Trivedi and Faiza Govani. We'll see you next time. <laughs>